Hi everyone, welcome again to Training for Life Redeemed. I'm Dan, I'm with my father David. We are going through the Psalms this pretty much this year really. Uh, we are looking at Psalm 50 today. We did not start at Psalm 1 if you're wondering. We skipped a whole bunch of them and started at Book 2 of the Psalms. If you didn't know that the Psalms were split up into books, then go back to the first episode where we talked about that. Uh, basically there are five books of the Psalms to separate these 150 Psalms that we have. Uh, that would be one very long scroll. Psalm 50, a composition of Asaph. God, Yahweh God, speaks, and he calls the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. From Zion, from the perfection of beauty, he shines. Our God comes, and he's not silent. Fire consumes before him, and there's a great whirlwind around him. He summons the heavens above and the earth to judge his people. My faithful ones gather to me, those who cut my covenant by means of a sacrifice. The heavens declare his justice. For God, he is the one who judges. Selah. Hear, my people, and I'll speak, Israel, and I'll testify to you. I am God, your God. I have no dispute with you concerning your sacrifices, nor your whole burnt offerings that are continuously before me. I'll not take a steer from your house, or billy goats from your pens, for everything that lives in the bush is mine, animals on a thousand mountains. I know every bird of the mountains, and whatever moves in the fields belongs to me. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you, for the world is mine in its fullness. Am I one who eats the flesh of the strong? Do I drink the blood of billy goats? Sacrifice to God with thanksgiving, and pay your vows to the Most High. Call me on a day of distress, and I'll deliver you, and you'll glorify me. But to the wicked, I say, what is it to you to recount my statutes and take up my covenant with your talk? But you, you hate correction, and you throw my word behind you. If you see a thief, you're pleased with him. Your lot is with adulterers. You use your mouth to send destruction, and your tongue contrives treachery. You sit with your brothers. You speak with a son of your mother to find fault. You do these things, and I'm silent. You think I'm like you. I have a dispute with you. I will set it out before your eyes. Understand this, you who forget God, lest I tear you apart and there is no deliverer. The one who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honours me, and setting away, I will show him the salvation of God. Psalm 50 is a proclamation to God's people and a call to them yep. to basically, you know, it's very clear at the beginning about those who follow God and how pleased he is with them. And then he talks about those who don't follow God and why on earth are you even trying to relate anything to the covenant and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, you dorks, basically. Yeah. But let's go to the first bit. The first bit's nice. Yep. It's really lovely. Wonderful. You know, anyone who is reading it would like to associate themselves with the first half. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I think it's interesting throughout this that uh, the people are faithful in this first section. Yep. It's very clear. You know, these are to the followers, the people who are you know, following the covenant he's made. And he talks about how he's not going to ask sacrifices from them, even though they're required to do sacrifices and stuff. But there's a, a clear comparison he's making between God as the real God, you know, and it's very clear, verse 1, doesn't say God once. No. <laughs> right? It's a very emphatic way of using language to say God, Yahweh, God. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like the one and only God whose name is Yahweh. And that's kind in. of emphasis that's being made. And so we have that, and that kind of gets compared to the other gods that are around at the time who mm. 
need feeding and who drink blood. You know, he talks about, do I need to eat the goat that you're bringing? Do I need to drink its blood? Not all the animals on the mountain mine. I can tell you exactly all the names of every single bird that exists. I don't need your dove that you're going to sacrifice to me. And yet that's really a stab at all the other surrounding Middle Eastern and a lot of you know, contemporary Eastern uh, oh. gods who still need people to bring them food yeah. uh, to serve them. Very clear contrast, but it's, you know, it's God's using this in a way to kind of go, you know, I'm not that God, I don't need that. All I care about is that you're a faithful yeah. servant, basically. Yeah, yeah. I, the, I, love, I love the sarcasm of the Bible. It sounds terrible, but God has a brilliant... You know, Winston Churchill had great sarcastic wit and it, it communicated powerfully. He didn't want to take Churchill on. Mm. <laughs> but when you come up against God and he he presents to you his grace, his love, his character, and then in you sort of melt that away and merge it with the local views of their gods and you end up with this mishmash muck and so it was It was really powerful. We did a tour of Egypt with some archaeologist people from Macquarie Uni. And in all of these temples, you go, what on earth? It's like this whole country is full of tombs and temples. You'd put a tomb for your dead people, and then outside the tomb you'd build a temple. And in the temple you'd have pictures of all the dead people. And you would, underneath the picture of the dead people, you've got this, like a strip along, cartoon strip along the bottom with all these slaves bringing platters of food and flowers and beer and wine and all this stuff. And so we we had this long conversation with the archaeology, the Egyptologists, and they're telling us, well, if you think of the gods and your dead grandmother as having a battery (laughs) inside them, and if you don't recharge the battery, it goes flat. And if it goes flat, well, you know, their spirit that's living in the afterlife in the land of the gods sort of shrinks down and goes poof and it's gone. So if you want your grandmother to continue to live in the land of the happy place, you've got to keep bringing her food and beer and yeah. all the rest. And anywhere where her picture appears... She's there. Her spirit lives in her picture. My mind goes to, you know, your mother walking into your room when you're three years old, putting her photograph on the wall and saying, (laughs) I'm watching you. (laughs) It's that silly. But here you are bringing food to the gods so that they don't fade away and go poof. (laughs) And that's the way people thought of sacrifice. They're feeding the gods. They're, you know, let let me bring you another feast and you'll do me a favour. I actually wonder whether our custom of bringing flowers to a grave... Yeah, is linked to that. I didn't think that when you started talking about it. Yeah, yeah we're, we're keeping grandma's memory alive by turning up on Mother's Day and doing the flower thing. Yeah. Um, you know, what sort of belief system is behind that? And so what this song is doing, I think, is much like, you know, study the book of Judges is on my mind at the minute, where you're looking at, what they call the Canaanization of Israel. God's covenant people just gradually absorb the culture of the 
the people around them. Assimilating themselves into Canaanites. Yeah, and Yahweh sort of fades away and disappears, and they take on this these ridiculous gods, and they turn his temple, his altar, into, you know, we're feeding Yahweh to keep him alive. And this song is saying, fellas, <laughs> you know, I'm the creator god. Yeah. <laughs> I created all this food in the first place, uh, and I don't have a body, I don't need it. I did it for you hmm. and for my glory. Just get out there and enjoy it. One of the things I love about this, which I think, in church history, we've totally missed is that God is a party God. He absolutely loves when his people gather and celebrate and feast and sing and even dance. Yep. No comments from you. Uh, I dance. <laughs> yeah. But dance. But this sort whole wedding the other week. Yeah. I danced. Yeah. <laughs> but the, that's the whole thing, you know. Do you do you celebrate with Yahweh? Do you are you do you realise what he's done for you, that he provides the sacrifice? You don't. Mm. You just sit there and go, thank you. Yeah. Um, now, the psalm then switches, because it's yeah, basically 50%. You're yep. good to the people who are lovely and yep. follow me, hear my people type stuff. And then we're going to switch in verse 16 to the wicked, he's going to say. And I love, as I was reading through this just before we started this, I love your little translation here where it says, you know, in verse 21, uh, you do these things and I'm silent. You think I am like you. <laughs> I just think that's so what modern, even modern Christians do this. We're, like we were chatting yep. with mum around the table earlier when we were talking about judges stuff. And it's like, you know, churches, we so frequently just think of God like us. And it's the way that a lot of people, particularly people who you come across who don't, you're not, who aren't into ch- going to church, but they're yeah. Christians and they read their own Bible and they're just like, oh, I don't think God is like that. And normally that's a reflection, more a reflection of the person than it is about yeah. what God has actually told us about himself in Scripture. And it, I think it's it's a typical, like, a, I'm just like, it's what Israel are doing, right? That's what he's accusing them of doing is just going, eh, God's not going to punish me for that. You know, there's yeah. my sacrifice that I've done. And God's like, I don't care about your sacrifice. <laughs> I care about your yeah. heart. And your heart is very clearly not where it needs yeah. to be. And you're changing your picture of me to match up with whatever you want, whether it be through an assimilation process, like in Judges, yeah. where they're going to take God who rescued them from Egypt. Okay, they do it straight away. They, the God who rescued us from Egypt, worship the cow that I just made out of gold. <laughs> You're like... The cow that you made out of gold is linking with Canaan stuff that's coming, or possibly even back to Israel, to Egypt stuff, yeah. but you've, they've linked God to that. Yeah. So they're saying they're worshipping Yahweh, they're just doing it in a very wrong way. They're called call the golden calf Yahweh, and you <laughs> go, you idiot. How did you do that? But Apparently you just threw it into the, into the fire and it came it out. out. Yeah. <laughs> like Yahweh believes that. <laughs> it's Look, this happens at micro level. When we sin and we think we can get away with it. So you think, you know, God is, you know, bolt of lightning isn't happening. The roof didn't fall in. Therefore, God didn't notice and therefore I got away with it and it's okay. And we we convince ourselves of that right down at the little tiny levels. But at a bigger level, one of the things that's happening is that when you turn away from where God does speak to us, in the scriptures, mm. you end up 
where I think the church is going. So I had a, an interesting discussion with a, a church leader who will remain nameless. It's a good way to do things. <laughs> and he told me that it was important for the gospel that the church be seen to be a mainstream church, not a cult. And the way he did that was to go back to the trappings of a mainstream church. So it was important that he wear the robes. It was important that they had a liturgy. It was important that it looked like church, mm. traditional mainstream church. And I, I just made the comment, Do is that where Jesus was? <laughs> was he mainstream? Was he up in Jerusalem with the robes and the gear? Or was he out in Galilee like a, you know, a reject yeah. where the people were? And then let's go back and have a look at mainstream church. We've just had, I mean, the Anglican church is going through this crisis. Here's a whole bunch of the church that is now affirming things that they shouldn't, that have updated church. I mean, I, I invite you to watch the, the coronation of King Charles. That name is not usually associated with faithfulness. <laughs> but but here we are. King Charles is going to get the thing on his head. He's now the head of the Anglican Church. And he's the head of the Anglican Church, but he doesn't want to have anything to do with the Anglican Church as the faith. He's the defender of all faiths. Mm. And you're looking at this and you're saying, and the people behind all of that, the bishops are appointed by parliament which is an elected representative of all faiths, and they control the Anglican, the Church of England. And those people are putting the Bible to one side and saying, God is silent. There are, there are issues coming up on which he hasn't spoken and when he has. And so we can just make it up as we go along and make God do what our culture approves and not let God rebuke our culture. And so yeah. the second half of this psalm is a warning to God's people. Over here, God says to the faithful, I have no complaint against you. Yeah. That, that's wonderful. I sit before the throne of God. Jesus died in my place, and God says, your slate is clean. I have nothing against you. There are no more sacrifices needed for you. Mm. You are blameless, innocent, righteous, holy, done dip. Over here... You people call yourself Christians, call yourself my people, but you ignore what I have to say and you go and do your own thing and imagine that I'm up there like just another one of you approving all of this because you want that to be the case. Yeah. You forgot me. Hmm. You're in a lot of trouble. Yeah, which is what comes. <laughs> he goes, you know, I have a dispute with you. I'm going to set it before your eyes and understand this, you who forget God lest I tear you apart and there is no deliverer. And that's the key bit here is the only deliverer, if you go back to our last Psalm yeah. 49, the only way that you can get delivered from Sheol is if God ransoms you. Yes. Uh, and that's before they have a full understanding of what we've got with Jesus. And then we come here and it's like, you know, if you keep going down this and forget me, you have no deliverer. There's no one else who can get you out. And, and the end result, that, that phrase there, you... I will tear you apart. Mm. That's the picture of an animal tearing apart his, yeah. his prey. And the covenant curse is you're going to die and, and I'm going to feed you to the birds. Yeah. You know, your, corp, your shame won't be covered. 
you'll be exposed to all the world. And that's why, I mean, I, I used to wonder, you know, yes, God dying in my, Jesus dying in my place pays for my sin. That's what I deserve. But why did he have to die such a cruel, horrendous death? Hmm. And naked and full of shame. Naked and full of shame and exposed for the whole world to gaze on. And the answer is because he covered my shame, he covered my guilt, he covered every aspect of my corruption in sin. And exposing all of that is part of the judgment. Mm. And when we look over here, he's saying you can either come to where I pay your debt or you can pay it yourself in public and the whole thing will be seen and witnessed. Where do you want to go with this? You call yourself a believer, you bear my name, and then you treat me like that. That's a big choice. Mm. So we've had a call to the world that doesn't know God, and God the Redeemer. We've got a call to the people who are faithful. We've got a call to the people who call themselves his people yep. who are unfaithful. And still, it's the same two choices. Yeah. So need to make sure we actually make a proper choice. I highly recommend you go for the uh, ones at the beginning of the psalm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, seem to end up a lot happier. Yeah. Now, that brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, if you would like to grab the study notes for this episode, please head over to trainingforliferedeem.com slash 106. Uh, make sure you hit subscribe. If you're listening on a podcast thing or watching us on YouTube, hit that subscribe button so that you get notified next time. Um, and our do next come episode and read, gets released. Do come and read the notes. This is this is the like discussion. The meat's in the notes. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely <laughs> a lot more in those notes, and there's reflective questions and all kinds of stuff. And you know, there's even books that go along, not necessarily with Psalms yet, but with a lot of the other ones. Yeah. Uh, so make sure you go and check all that stuff out. Otherwise, I will chat to you again next week yep. when we look at Psalm 51, which is you know David's. That's a biggie. One of my favourites. <laughs>